Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a while, but we are back in the shop. I am sitting here with my good friend, producer Joe. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's been a while. Yeah. You're looking good. A couple weeks. Thank you. You're looking thinner. You're starting to shed that shed I'm, that winter coat. I'm not thinner, but thank you. Uh, I'm about ten pounds up. Atta boy, atta boy. I, uh, I after Easter weekend and eating a bunch of food, I stepped on a scale and I somehow lost five pounds. So I don't know how that yeah. works, but the the metabolism is still good with this 28 year old. So, yep. Well, coming off a shoulder injury makes it hard, and then I'm going into surgery in a couple weeks. Oh, so it's a whole, so much it's a whole fun. Mess. So it's working out for literally a purpose of sitting around in a okay, couple weeks. Cool, and editing lots of podcasts. We'll have to get yeah. some. We'll have to get some <laughs> rolled up. So anyway, I am sitting here with special guest Ben Sheckler. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Good. Welcome to the show. Um, so I bumped into Ben at church probably a month ago. I want to say we're playing on the on the worship team. And uh, looking up at you talking because you're like six foot eight or something like six that. Eight, yep. Six eight, <laughs> my God. Um, and we, we just got to talking. We started talking baseball and I found out that you are a former pro ball player. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that is very, very interesting to me. And um, I like having interesting people on the show to kind of hear their experiences and their stories and as somebody had dreams of aspirations of doing that and never did, it's cool to run into somebody that has. So well, I appreciate you coming out and I would love to, love to get you, get to know you a little bit and talk about your story. So uh, did you, did you start playing baseball like at an early age or what did you kind of fall backwards into it? I, I didn't start playing until I was nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think it was either going into fourth grade or going into fifth grade that spring and summer um yeah it's funny i've got my little league baseball card from that year nine years old i was five two one thirty. Oh my gosh so taller than some grown adult that that was my that was gonna be my next question <laughs> i was like were you a gargantuan <laughs> as a kid too or yeah i've i've always been huge you that's know, hilarious i feel like i grew an inch every year of my life and is your family bigger too or are you just an anomaly i'm an anomaly man uh yeah my dad's six two my mom's five seven but she's half japanese i'm actually a quarter japanese oh okay yeah my mom's that's... half we don't really know how i got my height <laughs> only only real explanation is maybe her biological father's side who she you know she's never met or sure. anything um yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm the tallest in my family by a lot. Okay, cool. Was your, was your mom adopted or did your grandparents migrate here? She was adopted when she was two. Yep. Okay. She flew over from Japan by herself okay. with the help of the, uh, flight attendants. So no kidding. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a crazy incredible. story. Yeah. That's a story in and of itself. Right. Is that like, I, and I don't know the timeline super well, but you're 20 mid twenties, I would say. 26. So yep. is that like, that that wouldn't have been like post World War Two. It, it was, yeah. Very shortly after that, then uh, she was born in fifty six. So. Okay, so Japan's still dealing with the aftermath of World War Two. Yeah, um, probably had a lot of refugee situations like yep. that. Her, I imagine. So her father was in the military, American, yeah, U.S. military. Okay, her her adopted father, her biological father, her biological yep. father was American military. Okay, yep. gotcha. Adopted family. Was in Chicago area, Chicago suburbs. Don't really know, you know, how they found. I guess I haven't really had that conversation with my <laughs> mom. How you know her parents found her and her brother. Um, but yeah, adopted when she was two, flew over here on her own and made it to Grand Rapids, Michigan <laughs> somehow. somehow, so. somehow. <laughs> That's cool. So, um, you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played basketball. Um, you had to, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the question I get all the time. Do yeah. you had to have played basketball? Um, have you seen me jump? Right, exactly. <laughs> can can yeah. you jump? No, and thankfully <laughs> I didn't have to to dunk. You know, I didn't have to jump very high to dunk. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was actually recruited more for basketball coming out of high school than I was for baseball. Really? Yep. I was kind of a late bloomer in general, but especially you know, baseball velocity, pitching and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was recruited more for basketball. I played like a stretch four. I was kind of like a Dirk style. Okay. 
Dirk Nowitzki type. Nobody could block your shot. <laughs> no, I and that fadeaway was my go-to uh-huh. mid-range game. You know, I, I shot a few threes here and there, but yeah, mostly played stretch four, running the baseline, okay, catch and shoot kind of stuff. Cool. Where did you go to high school? I'm from Sparta, so I, I went to Sparta High School. Graduated okay. with like I don't know two thirty, two forty. That's a smaller school. It is. You're yep. probably like mm-hmm. a legend there. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know the the Sheckler family. It's it's a big family. Everyone knew my grandpa. Everyone knows my dad. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, a, a known name around there. All right, cool. Yeah. The future uh, Sparta high school hall of famer. <laughs> is there, is there a mascot, the Spartans? It is. Yeah. It has to be yep. Sparta Spartan. Such a, such a great, great name. Right. Um, so when you were, what was the recruiting process like when, when you were in high school? So when, um, when you're like a freshman, sophomore in high school, were you starting to like just naturally get interest from schools or did you have some coaches that kind of worked on stuff for you or how did that all work? Man, nothing really happened till my senior year. Um, I I was called up for from JV to play varsity baseball as a sophomore. Okay. Basketball, I went freshman, JV, then two years of varsity. Um, yeah, I was super, super overweight and out of shape. Um, my pretty much up until junior year basketball season, I lost like 30 pounds just okay. from the conditioning and stuff, got into better shape. Um, and that, you know, naturally helped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until senior year basketball season when I, I think it was after our first game was the first time a coach ever came up to me. Um, yeah, Elma college. Okay. Uh, can't remember the assistant coach's name, Ryan, actually Ryan Clark, I think was his name. Okay. Now that I think about it. Um, yeah, Elmo was the first school to ever look at me, me and my point guard, both. Um, and basically from then on, it was, there was a lot of, not a lot of attention, but decent amount of attention. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. For, For baseball though, it was, I had to send out, you know, my videos and stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for attention for baseball. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was six, eight, you know, every, everyone always said I had potential and stuff being six foot eight left-handed pitching. Uh, but velocity was like low eighties basically up until my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I started seeing a guy named Rick Kruger who he's from the Grand Rapids area, uh, played in the Red Sox organization. Um, he does pitching lessons and stuff and he really changed my mechanics and everything. Um, that naturally led to some, some additional VLO and, uh, yeah, Cornerstone university where I went to school was the first school to take me on a visit. And, um, it was really just them, Grand Rapids community college, Muskegon community college and Grand Valley that really even looked at me for baseball. But sure. so what made you choose baseball over basketball? Did you, is it just you enjoyed it more or did you feel like your skill sets were like you had a better shot of going further with baseball? That for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basketball is my first love. Okay. I played it forever. Um, but I just kind of knew being six, eight left handed. Uh, I had a b- bit of a higher ceiling with baseball than for sure being an average Joe basketball player. You know what I mean? I was always told from a young age that if you were, if you were a left-hand pitcher, um, if you threw in the high eighties and had a decent move to, fir- uh, and you had a decent move to first base, um, you could play at some level professionally. Yeah. I mean, I kind of always heard the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. So did you play four years at Cornerstone then? I played three, so I was drafted after my junior year in 2016 um, in the eighth round to the Padres. What was that like? So, did you is that something like after your junior year, you're expect because not a lot of guys get drafted from Cornerstone. No, I'm the only guy ever. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. No, okay. So, on the map. <laughs> did you did you like dominate at Cornerstone then, or did your film just jump off the table? Like, how does that even happen? I no, I did not dominate. So my it's a similar story, honestly, to high school, late bloomer, like didn't get much attention. Um, freshman year, I think I had more walks than innings pitched, had like a nine ERA. Um, that really opened my eyes that, you know, I got to get after it in the gym and get myself into better shape. And I can't, couldn't just roll into, even at the NAIA level, a small school like Cornerstone can roll in there and just let natural ability, you know, lead to success. So, Mm -hmm. 
baseball will humble you like that. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so sophomore year, came back, excuse me, came back in the fall, um, throwing a little harder. And the first time I ever was seen by a scout, um, yeah, it was sophomore spring 2015. Uh, we had a trip to Kentucky that got snowed out. Um, somehow our, I think our head coach knew someone that, uh, was affiliated with the perfect game complex in, in just North of Atlanta, Georgia. And he got us rescheduled there. Um, that complex, it's four fields and we were the only non-division one game going on Mm. at the time. Wow. Um, there were scouts everywhere watching this Iowa Cincinnati game. I'm pretty sure. If I remember correctly, the starting pitcher in that game was drafted in the first round in 2015. So there are scouts everywhere. Okay. I just happened to be throwing a no-no through like five innings, pepper and 90 on the gun as these scouts were filing out of this game. Uh. And that night, my head coach got a call from someone that wanted to represent me. And then that led to more calls from scouts and everything, emails from scouts. Mm-hmm. Um so it, I, I call it a God thing, man. It was, it was by chance, you yeah. know, if we hadn't gotten rescheduled for that game in, in Georgia, who knows what would have happened. Um, so yeah, I, I call that a God thing. And, uh, pr- I, I played in the summer league in North Carolina that following summer, um, that helped exposure a ton. And then I think every game spring of my junior year, 2016, there were, there were tons of scouts there. I remember there's one game, it was middle of March, home game, you know, like 38 degrees. <laughs> and uh, there were 29 scouts sitting in the stands. No kidding. And there were like 22 fans. What was that? So, did, did you feel the <laughs> wow. Did you feel the pressure at all from that, knowing that they were there for you? Or did you just kind of like block it out? I was able to block it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to have that mental... Uh, fortitude to just focus on what you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's funny that same game, there were a bunch of scouts that that game. There were 29 scouts there. It was super windy, and Cornerstone is at like the highest point in Grand Rapids. Their field is, mm-hmm. um, and there's right behind home plate. There's a uh, it's on the concourse. It's an apartment building, um, and directly behind home plate, there's like a tunnel between the two. Uh, I don't know, wings of the building that go kind of along the base or the, the first and third baselines. Mm-hmm. Wind is just howling through this tunnel right behind home plate and it brush. I had to step off the mound to like almost, almost <laughs> balk because of a wind gust. And uh, that that's really the only time I remember like, you know, mid game looking out into the crowd and mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty noticeable that I was about to fall over. So I had to step off. It was kind of funny. funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was... I don't know, pretty easy for me to focus on what I was doing. And What kind of speeds can you get when there's wind coming at you still? Uh, it doesn't really change your velocity much. If anything, it helps or hinders movement on breaking balls. Mm. And, and yeah, I threw a two-seam fastball, so, uh, you know, it would kind of make it drop a little bit more than it would run mm-hmm. horizontally, I guess. Uh, but yeah, wind doesn't really affect velocity. As a pitcher, for sure. Yeah. I would say if you throw like a slower breaking ball, it might. But yeah. like when you're when you're pumping ninety um, from sixty feet away from your target, the it's not it's not going to affect it. the you know the ball cut right through the wind. Yeah, honestly, I think it's more of a mental thing, if anything, mm-hmm. because I remember um, playing ball in high school. We had a really really good pitcher um, that we we were playing a game. It was sunny and like seventy degrees out in April, which all things considered in Northern Michigan is a beautiful day in mm. April. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. There's like 20, 25 mile, mile per hour winds. And I was picking up some dust and stuff. And our pitcher just could not get a feel for where the ball was going. Like mm. he was just all over the place. So I think honestly, it's more of a mental thing if yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Sometimes you run into what where it really gets affected is if somebody hits like a routine pop up to the infield, that's where things get interesting. Oh, for sure. Because the ball's just hanging up there and the and it will go any, it will not follow its normal flight pattern and it'll go any direction that the wind sees fit. And that's where it gets, <laughs> Yep. that's where like good infielders look really, really dumb. I don't know if you guys saw it, but earlier this, this season, uh, 
the White Sox. It was a home game for the White Sox. I forget who they were playing, but there were like five pop-ups on the infield that yep. were botched. Yeah. I'd never seen that before, but that, that's exactly what you're talking about, though. Yeah. The wind mm-hmm. affecting that, yeah. For sure. So getting back to what we were talking about, when you're being scouted, um, what, what, did that create some like, because like you said, there's 29 scouts and 22 fans at games. So obviously your teammates are, are tuned into that. Do you think that like that raised some like, did that raise enthusiasm on the team? Like, hey, one of our one of our dudes is getting looked at. Like, what, For sure. what was that like? Yeah, it was... It was funny, man. A lot of the guys would give me crap and, you know, the, the usual trash talk, whatever. Yeah. Um, there was one one kid that made a Twitter, Twitter account called MLB Sheck. <laughs> and it was, our, our head coach really put the, the kibosh on that real fast. But, you know, just friendly crap like yeah, that. You know what sure. I mean? Um, it's good camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. You ever get called Shrekler? No, Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) So, um, your junior year comes and, um, so you've got an agent now. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Cause I know in, in, in it's lightened up a little bit in the past and I, I don't know baseball. I'm, I'm a big NFL nerd. So I know their, um, their draft processes and and bylaws a lot better than baseball. Mm -hmm. But I, I know like once you get, like, if you're, Entering your junior sophomore junior year and like the the year's over and you get an agent. Typically, that means you're entering the draft. You're not coming back to college, but it's a little bit different in baseball, though. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So there's no like declaring or anything like that. Um, you can get drafted out of high school. Um, you can get drafted after you if you go to community college. You can get drafted after your freshman or sophomore year. Um, you can also get drafted if you're over 21 and younger than a junior, you can get drafted. Um, but then if, if you go to a four year, uh, you got to wait till after your junior year, you don't get drafted then after your senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no declaration process. Um, I mean, you've seen it where like, uh, what's his name? Um, quarterback for the, uh, Cardinals, um, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, you know, he was drafted by the A's. Yeah. Pat Mahomes um, was drafted by the Tigers. Yeah, several. Yeah. There's, you know, there's tons of stories of that happening. Yeah. And, you know, there is no declar- declaring or anything. Gotcha. Um, for me, yeah, it, it was after my junior year. Um, yeah, you know, I basically, in talking with my advisor, so it, on the amateur side, they're your advisor, quote unquote. And then once you get signed or once you get drafted, then they're your agent. Yeah. And Is that's that when you pay gotcha. them. Okay. Yep. Yep. So they aren't paying, they aren't getting paid for their services when you're an amateur. Gotcha. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you know, my, my agent was, uh, his name was Derek Ross. Um, he was a scout with the Indians and tigers for a long time. Um, he got to be a national cross checker, which is, you know, one of the higher up scouts that oversees multiple regions. Um, so he knew all the area guys um, in the Midwest. Uh, it really helped me with my exposure. Um, yeah, and and the talks were, you know, I think you'll be a top 10 round guy. Um, I think there's what, is it 30 or 32 teams in the MLB? There's 30. 30, 30, 30 yep. right? Yeah. Yep. It was 29 of the 30 teams uh, had seen me and had I'd been on their radar. I, and I can't for the life of me think of, I had a note at one point with what, you know, what, what I'll the, do. What the Basically 30th what the, team yeah, was. Yeah, what the 30th team was. And I can't, I can't find it. I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, was basically. It, the, it was at the Expos. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it might've been the Nationals now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. I think the Nationals were the only team that didn't look at me. Huh. Um, but anyways, so, you know, as, as the draft is approaching in, in mid-June, um, I got invited to some pre-draft workouts. I got to pitch uh, on the field at Comerica, met Alan Trammell and some oh, of the... Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Al Avila was there, um, who's the... GM. The GM now. Yeah. Um, went to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati and through there. My favorite... Oh, actually, my Padres workout was in Cincinnati as well at some random like travel ballpark. I uh, got to meet AJ Preller. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only guy that 
AJ came over and talked to. Um, he's the GM of the Padres. Okay. Um, so that was really cool. And then the Dodgers flew me out to Dodger Stadium two nights before the draft, which oh, is sweet. sweet. That's yeah. awesome. So I I flew out there, stayed at the LA Hotel downtown. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, at the LA Hotel downtown. Had like fourth row seats at the game that night at Dodger Stadium. It was Julio Urias's, uh, I think, starting debut. No his kidding. first start in the league against the Rockies. Uh, yeah. And then the next morning pitched on the field there. That was a blast. That's sweet. Um, so, you know, that, that whole process was really fun. And then draft day rolled around. I, I pretty much knew I wasn't going to be a first round guy. Um, day one is rounds one and two, I believe. Um, I, so I knew I wasn't going to be a day one guy yep. pretty much. Um, yeah, the, uh, in the fourth round the Orioles called my agent, um, and he called me. He was like, hey, man, the, the Orioles are inquiring. Like, you know, just be on the lookout for a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, let's see, I was at my parents' house. My parents, a couple family friends and some family over watching uh, the, they broadcasted it online back mm-hmm. then. Um, so we had the, the broadcast on the TV. Uh, didn't get drafted in the fourth round. Mm. I was kind of bummed. That signing bonus was crazy. <laughs> uh, I think it, it was like four or something, yeah. which would have been wild. Yeah. A um, couple more hours passed by. I get a call um, from Matt Maloney, the, who was at the time the area scout with the Padres. He's like, hey, man, you know, you know, we're pretty interested in you. Thinking about taking you this next round. Just wanted to put it on your radar. I'm going to give Derek a call. Um, I was like, sweet. You know, I'll be I'll be waiting couple minutes later Derek calls he's like hey Padres are offering you you know a little bit under slot value like will you take it I was like absolutely so okay pick 234 in the eighth round with the Padres sweet uh yeah it was pretty pretty surreal day um and you know that uh that night a couple news stations came out interviewed me and my dad in the backyard throwing the ball around oh that's cool man um yeah so I mean what was your folks reaction that just super ecstatic. Yeah. Everybody yeah. going nuts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, neither of my parents are super emotional people. They uh-huh. don't show their emotions a ton, but you know, uh, I think my dad recorded it on his phone. Um, and you can hear him like, you know, I think he was like, yes, like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. Ben, like, congratulations. Cool. you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, like I said, it was pretty surreal. Um, obviously a dream come true. Uh, and then two days later, I was shipped out to Peoria, Arizona for rookie ball. So okay, <laughs> it was a pretty quick turnaround. No, that's awesome. What was your signing bonus? Uh, it was one sixty. Okay. Yep. So that slot doesn't val- suck. No, no. <laughs> heck, I, I would have taken anything, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slot value was one eighty one, um, and I signed for one sixty. So yeah, it's weird how they do those those contracts and stuff because I've heard I've I've heard some horror stories of the them uh, MLB the or a team will will draft a player and they hold their rights, but then they'll just like severely lowball them on the contract that they give them. And then if the player refuses, they're they're on the sidelines for a year. Yeah. Until the next draft. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a crock of shit. Yeah. But um it's you know, it's it's all about leverage. So yeah. basically it a lot of the time you'll see the seniors that are studs. Mm-hmm. Get drafted for five, ten thousand. Yeah, in the first couple of rounds when their pick wow. is valued at hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Yeah, but it's because they don't have any leverage. Mm-hmm. Either they get drafted now or yeah. they sign as a free. So agent you have nothing, more leverage so. as a junior, saying that hey, if you don't, you know, screw you, I'll just go back to college and then exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And you know, the most leverage is the high school kids. Okay. That sign for millions. Yeah, um, like Jackson Job out of uh, that high school kid that the Tigers picked in the top 10 this year. Mm-hmm. This ridiculous contract that that kid signed. He's yeah. 18 years old. Like, yep. that's wild to me. But, yep. but yeah, they for, can say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to Clemson for yeah. three years. and Exactly. You know. Or like, who was it that um, the, the, the Yankees drafted John Elway hmm. and... John El- John Elway did not. I can't remember the name of the team. I I want to say it was the Baltimore Colts at the time because they were back then. They were the Baltimore Colts. I'm pretty sure they had the number one pick and they were going to pick him. 
And he told their front office, it was like, if you guys draft me, I'm going to play baseball. Mm. And so that's why he ended up at Denver oh, okay. because he did not want to play for, for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he didn't want to play for Baltimore. Yeah. So was there, speaking of that, was there any team that they, I, did you have like a list of like top teams that you wanted to go to based on your interactions? And did you have a list of teams that you were like, yeah, playing pro ball sweet, but I really don't want to go there. Mm, no, I, I really just wanted a chance at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of knew the three or four that were more interested than anyone else. It was San Diego. It was Cincinnati, uh, the Cleveland Indians. Um, and the Dodgers okay. were, yeah, those were kind of the four that I thought I had more of a chance with. The Orioles, to hear them, you know, give my agent a call in the fourth round was very random. Yeah, because um, they, they weren't on your radar at all. Yeah, I'd only met the area scout one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who I, did, who, do you remember who they picked? I don't know. No, okay. no I don't. Um, I just remember that signing bonus number. That'll stick with you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I kind of had an idea of the, the teams that, you know, were more interested than the others. And <laughs> I was I was happy to be drafted by the Padres. They had committed to rebuilding that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know, the 2014-2015, they basically, I mean, they loaded up the big league roster, completely depleted the minor league system. It was like World Series or bust, and I don't even think they made the playoff. No, 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 because the Padres have stunk until kind of the Tatis era For sure. the last couple of years. Yep. So. And Tatis was my teammate in rookie ball, teammate no in short kidding. season. No kidding. That was my next question. Is like, who, Wayne. who are some guys that I would know that that came up with you? Yeah, Tatis. Um, he, I think it was that spring when the Padres traded James Shields for him straight up. Okay. The White Sox. It's a good trade. Yeah. I, mean, I think that was a good trade for both teams because Shields was a stud for the White Sox. And they, they, did they go to the playoffs? I don't know. Around then? I just okay. know that he was very shortly thereafter done. Okay. Um, and Tatis is now the face of the league. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, I mean, Tatis, uh, I think I played with like almost three dozen guys that are in the show now. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of my buddies from the first couple of years uh, are in the show. David Bedner's the closer for the Pirates now. Um, poor, poor guy. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Who else? Mackenzie Gore, who was the Padres' number one pick in 17, uh, just made his debut last week or a couple of weeks ago. Sweet. Um, I mean, those are probably the two most prolific names. But yeah, Tatis. You can toss that name around and everyone knows who that is. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was, yeah, just crazy that I got to play with him. So through rookie ball and then you started in single A or low A ball out there? Or? Yep. So okay. yeah, first uh, first season, it's like a half season because you get drafted in June. Yeah. Um, I spent most of that season in rookie ball, got moved up to short season uh, up in the Northwest League the following year, um, finished out there the last couple of weeks. Started my first full season in 17 in Fort Wayne, which was low A at the time. Midwest League, same league as the Whitecaps. Um, so got to play at home in front of family oh, and friends, which was cool. Um, yeah, spent the first half with them. Then I got sent down. I had uh, a super hot start to the year. I was in the bullpen. I'm pretty sure I had 12 strikeouts, no runs in my first five innings. Mm-hmm. Was just lighting dudes up. and then. Just things fell off the hook. Uh, I think I pitched 24 innings, had like a five-cent ERA, got sent down, um, and then went back to short season as a starter. Ended up winning the ERA title. Uh, I was an all-star in that league. So, you know, great finish to the 2017 season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Started in low A again in Fort Wayne in 2018. Uh, Was there pretty much the whole year, the last three or four, I can't remember, last couple weeks got sent up to high A in the middle of nowhere, California. Um, and yeah, that was the end of that season. Um, then yeah, next spring got let go on the last day of spring training. So yeah, it was kind of a shock. I didn't see it coming. Um, yeah. And that, you know, I, I really struggled after getting released a lot of identity wrapped up in it. And for sure. Um, yeah, you know, I was not expecting to get let go. 
that quickly. So, mm-hmm. um, so for somebody in in the the kind of that fringe low A high A ball, um, it, when you get cut like that, is that pretty unanimous? Like it, this is the end of the road type thing, or did it did it cross your mind to try to go and play for maybe indie ball or a different organization or something like that? I knew I didn't want to do the indie ball route. Um, that's tough. That's a tough route. Yeah. I don't know much about pro ball, but I know quite a few guys that have gone the indie ball route and it's a grind. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, in affiliated ball, you're not making money in the minor leagues. (laughs) Can't imagine what it's like playing indie ball. Yeah. Um, but I just, I didn't want to be that guy that was 30 still trying to make his major league debut, just Mm -hmm. grinding with a family back home. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, so I, I, I knew I was going to get let go at some point, whether it was, you know, after a few years in the minors or a 20 year big league career, didn't expect to get cut after, you know, two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the White Sox were interested in picking me up as a free agent right after I got let go. At that point, I was, um, I, I'm divorced now. My ex-wife was in her third trimester or second trimester with uh, our, our son Judd um, you know it was like geez do we do we grind this out still or do we just go home and you know make mm-hmm. some roots back home and, and start our family and that sort of thing I decided to hang him up mm-hmm. um, the White Sox again inquired after the draft that June um, but yeah, I I just decided to hang it up, and you know, I I really like I said I I struggled with it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, identity issues were deep. Uh, you know, I I dealt with some depression. Things got hard in our marriage because of it. Um, you know, having a kid, getting thrown back into real life, trying to provide for for sure your family. Um, you know, I was able to, the Padres paid for the rest of my schooling. So I finished out my degree at Cornerstone in sports management, but you know, to get a job in that industry, you got to go through an internship, making 11 an hour. And at 23, 24 years old, that's with a kid on the way. That's just not where you're trying to do. You know what I mean? So I got into sales and, um, spent a year in the car business and, you know, did okay. And now I'm in the RV industry, but yeah, you know, it, it was, there were, there were options. The White Sox inquired a couple different times, um, but I figured it's time to get to real life and sure. just move on. And what did you learn through that entire process? Like, what if you could think back and hang your hat on on something? Like, uh, what did you, what did you like? Kind of being able to look back at it now after the dust has settled. Like, what did you learn? It's temporary, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like kind of like I was saying, you know, your career is going to be done at some point. Mm-hmm. It's not a forever thing. Um, so it's kind of the cliche, just take advantage of your opportunity and do your best, but don't get your identity all wrapped up into it because okay. that God has a way of crumbling your life when your identity is in the wrong thing. And that's really what happened to me. I mean, you know, when we met a, about a month ago, I kind of started talking to you about that and, you know, it led to marital issues and, you know, we ended up getting divorced after two and a half years of marriage. And, um, I'd say in some ways I'm still dealing with the after effects of that. And for sure. Yeah. So sure. It, it, it was, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd say the thing I learned the most is don't let your identity get wrapped up in what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> does anyone, does anyone in the industry talk about that though? Not really, man. No, that's crazy. They're, yeah. It's, yeah, there's no preparation for post baseball career mm. at all, really. You you know you've got you've got all all the tools at hand to be successful while you're playing. You know, mm-hmm. strength coaches, nutritionists, mental, uh, you know, people, sports psychologists, yes, sports psychologists. Yeah. But once then, you're on the outside, then all that goes away. Yeah, yeah, yep. So you could even have like a really really solid support system. But the second that that pink slip comes through, then you're, yeah, you know, you lose access own, to man. all of that stuff. Yep. I, there's a lot more talk about it today. I feel like uh, amongst pro athletes who have already made it, talking about like life after mm-hmm. sports. Mm-hmm. But when you're so in the grind, like you you don't really ex- if to me anyway, it just seems like you don't feel like 
it, you're it, you're not expecting to get the rug pulled out from under you like that, right? You know, yeah. Because anything that you've ever done in your in your life, you've probably made the decision that I'm going to stop doing this, yeah. And have somebody else tell you that you've got to stop doing it now. That's a very different dynamic, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's while you're in the in the thick of it, it's tough while you're playing, man. It's very cutthroat. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, especially as you know, there are definitely politics involved in the game at the professional level. It's not, you, you know, you think the the politics are done after high school or maybe after college, but no, there's guys that they put their millions into that get forced through. Um, and the, the team makes a huge investment into a prospect and they, they're determined to get a return on that investment. Yeah. So they're going to give that guy a lot more grace than somebody that's a lower round for draft sure. pick that they, that they, they signed him for five grand. Yeah. They're, you know, they'll, they'll cut that guy in 10 minutes to, yep. to make sure that they're, you know, their early round draft pick that's looking like a bust is going to stay in because that's how they keep their jobs exactly. is to, to make those justifications to yeah. keep those guys around longer. I can't tell you how many guys I had better stats than, you know, that were big money guys that stuck around and eventually made their debuts. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, how? That's so frustrating. Yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's cutthroat, man. It's, mm-hmm. there's, there's politics. You're, when you're struggling, you're almost looking over your shoulder, you know, cause there's 12 more of me mm-hmm. and the levels below me that they can call up at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know, the mental side of it is, it's the hardest. They say the biggest separator, everyone's got the same amount of talent. It's mm-hmm. the work ethic and the mental fortitude that makes the difference between the guy that gets cut in low A and the guy that makes it to the show. And that's, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yep. So, um, did when you played high school ball, I'm assuming you hit, right? Mm-hmm. Did you hit in college? Nope. No. Nope. Came a PO pitcher. Uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I was, uh, we were, I saw you on Monday. It was actually when we scheduled this, we we're playing softball and I, uh, I was like, oh, he's a pitcher. He can't hit. And then you hit a 400 foot nuke. <laughs> I was like, it oh, couldn't have been better timing. It was perfect. It was perfect. Me crap mid I was, I was catching and I was like, well, I'm going to see if I can get in this guy's head. And I was like, hey, if somebody's talking smack, like, well, like while the ball is coming, is it going to affect you? And he's like, nope. Like while the ball's in the air. <laughs> And just crushes it to dead center. It was hilarious. Yeah, so. That was funny. Yeah, my, my swing was built for slow pitch, man. Long oh. levers, long, slow swing. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't catch up, catch up to 80 poo in high school. So, yeah, yeah there's no way I was hitting up the next level. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, my swing is designed for... I'm going to use your power and I'm just going to spray the ball over yeah. the field. Like I've hit two home runs in my life. One was in 2011 <laughs> senior in high school. And one was last summer playing, um, you know, just men's league baseball. We're using a drop five ridiculously illegal aluminum bat <laughs> yeah. and barely squeaking it over the left field fence yeah. at, at Sullivan. So like, um, yeah, so it, my yeah, my I have a very compact make contact swing. I always would bat one, two, or three in the lineup just because I I make contact and get on base, and yep. I was pretty quick. So yeah, it's fun. But, so learning the slow pitch swing, trying to hit nukes, and kind of slowing everything down, and not getting because I I had one hit that was just like okay, I should be hitting this ball over the fence, but it's just a line drive to left center field. Mm-hmm. So but. <laughs> It's fun learning a new game. Right. So what was your faith walk like during that time frame? Cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assume and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you're so focused on, um, you know, achieving and moving up the ranks in baseball, plus your association has a lot to do with it. I'm assuming that your faith walk went on the back burner or did you stay pretty, at stay on top of things with your relationship with God or did, or did, were you not a Christian during that whole time frame and that happened after? Well, what's your story like with that? Yeah, I'd, I'd say back burner. Okay. Yeah. Like, a, you know, like I was mentioning, mentioning earlier, identity was wrapped up in baseball and that's all I cared about. Um, yeah. You know, I, I knew that God had put that opportunity in place for a reason and, and, um, 
you know, I've, I've always been a believer. Um, but yeah, just didn't take things super seriously. Then Mm -hmm. it was just kind of, you know, walking through life nonchalantly and just playing baseball, the game I love. Um, yeah, it, it was really a, uh, rude awakening getting cut. Yeah. And that, you know, really, I guess, helped me realize that my identity was in the wrong place and, and needed to center my life back on Christ. So you and, were able to lean on that then through those tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, trying to, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was tough, man. Um, you know, like I said, I, I got, I got cut in, uh, I got cut in March of 19. Um, basically that the next two years were very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I, I say I went through a midlife crisis at the age of 23. <laughs> um, basically my, from age 21 until 24, 25 were, you know, I had probably six or seven things that some people don't go through in their whole life. Yeah. Happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, from getting drafted. Uh, I met my, my ex-wife, uh, the fall of 2016 after I got drafted, we got married in the fall of 2018, had a miscarriage very mm. shortly after getting married, got released by, oh, then got pregnant again. Yep. Then got released, then had a kid. Um, and then we were divorced. So, I mean, you know, in a four year span, I went through the ringer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm still going through, you know, things are still, affecting me and and yeah since you know post baseball I've, I've been able to focus my life back on christ and try and walk in through life the right way but it's it's an everyday battle yeah <laughs> it's sure it's weird saying that i'm 26 and divorced with a kid mm-hmm. you know it's not what anyone really expects to happen you don't draw in it up life, like but, that <laughs> right yeah. yeah and and yeah it's uh it sometimes even you know playing on the worship team it's like I don't know. I deal with that, you know, what are people thinking of me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, most people don't know my story, but you know, if, if they were to hear that I was 26 and divorced and it's just like, what would people think of me? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm getting to the, I'm to the point now where I'm totally cool telling my story, but there's a lot of shame and stuff involved, you know, with, with getting divorced young and divorced at all really, you know, as a, a, a follower of Christ. And that's one of the things that I love about crossroads because I grew up in, I grew up in a Catholic church. That was my background. And I'm not saying like there, but so they're like kind of the same thing. Like I, I had a couple friends whose parents were divorced, but outside of that, like I never like experienced that at all in my life. But like, people at church and stuff like my, my dad was divorced before he met my mom. So like at, at an arm's length, I guess we, we had an element of that, but like the, it, it always seemed that the, the people that had the biggest problem with stuff like that were also the ones that if you open their closet, you'd find some skeletons oh, in there sure. too. that. Yeah. And, and the people, and especially amongst Christians, the the people who are the most outspoken about those types of things are it, it most of the time it's a it's a it, they're overcompensating for something that they're personally dealing with too yeah it's the speck in your eye but there's a blank exactly. in mine thing mm-hmm. man, exactly. you know what i mean it's, and at crossroads it's it's and this isn't a plug for crossroads by any means but i've just I just found it to be such a welcoming environment because we're all broken people and we all live in the same fallen world mm-hmm. and we all have dealt with stuff for sure. And, yeah. um, you know, based on the, based on the brief conversation that you and I had about the, the, the guy that we were talking about in, in church too, yeah, like yeah. that's it, it, that it's a, it's an odd dynamic to, to like, like forgiveness is such a weird thing in this today's in today's world mm-hmm. and seeing people for where they're at today versus, you know, what they may or may not have done in the past is is such a it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And for sure. Um 
yeah, it's it, there's no like holier than thou complex right. amongst, especially amongst the leadership. I can't speak for all of the people that sit there in the bleachers every week because I, I don't know all of them. Yeah. But um, I'm but yeah. I'm so thankful for the worship team <laughs> community at Crossroads because <laughs> yeah, it's tough out here. It, it <laughs> is, it is, and especially for dudes, man. Like I was thinking about this today. Um, that I just a situation that I've and it's, I'll just, I'll just say it here. There's, there's no need in being, um, in, in being vague about it, but, um, like as a dad, how, how old's your kid? How old's your dad? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so I have a six year old and I've got a two year old and I've started to notice that there is this thing that goes on when you have younger kids that are like kids, not babies. They're in that, mm-hmm. they're not adolescents. They're, they're older, just like yeah. kid kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, where it, sometimes you get in a, a cycle of like nothing you can, nothing you do can ever be good enough. Mm. And like, for instance, you, you know, you work your ass off all day to put food on the table, to, to keep a, ho- a house over their or roof over their heads. And then, you know, you're dealing with all sorts of craziness, whether it be work things, relationship things, all of that stuff. And then you specifically make time to play with your kid and then when it's time to be done playing it's like oh well that wasn't good enough mm-hmm, or yeah. we, we go get ice cream and you get ice cream and on the way home hey can we stop and get a Gatorade or something like no like yeah and then all oh, this isn't good. like right. you know what I'm saying so <laughs> yeah. and you know but like I just feel like we, us us guys need to like talk about some of this stuff because I feel like the generation before us, like any problems that men dealt with just needed to be dealt with in a silent manner. Right. You just need to get tough and figure it out. Yeah. There's no vulnerability. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I had a crisis situation back in January where I needed somebody to talk to Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what to do. And it was a, it was a very, um, it it was, it was, I mean, it was important and it was crucial. And I called Joel, Joel Jacobson. Yeah. And he met me that morning, like an hour from the time I made the phone call for coffee. And I was able to talk through some stuff with him and make sense of all the chaos that was going on in my brain. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't had him to reach out to, my life would be radically different today mm-hmm. and yeah. not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I Man, I know Joel. Yeah. Shout out to Joel. Yes. <laughs> He's the man. Yeah. For sure. It's, I, I second everything you're saying. Friend man. of the show, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had him on once. Former guest. Oh, nice. He, he's, yeah. uh, he is due back on actually pretty soon. He and, he and Brittany are going to come on and awesome. talk about some of the stuff that, um, Brittany does with the, the victims of human trafficking yeah. that she works with and all that stuff. Mm. That's, that's next level stuff for sure that she's working on. So, yeah. Yeah. But, man, I, I love, I love Joel. Uh, I had the, he's the reason I got plugged in on the worship team at Crossroads. Yeah, is, same. <laughs> is I had school, I had a college class with him. College, oh, no kidding. College math. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then ran into him playing softball last year. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was like, dude, you play guitar, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to Crossroads at the time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. But, um, I had originally wanted to get plugged in with Will, the former worship mm-hmm. pastor. Um, and then COVID hit and, you know, he was kind of, he, you know, got out of there and, yep. um, yeah, then Joel took over and I was like, I know him. I'd love to get plugged in again. Oh, that's and, sweet. Yeah. But yeah. I think, thank God for Joel and, and for the community of the worship team at Crossroads. For sure. Yeah. Much needed as a, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying, as a man today where vulnerability is, is a rare thing between men. It's, uh-huh. uh, it's important and it's much needed for yeah. our mm-hmm. mental health and <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything? No, I think I'm set. Okay. Cause I've got a couple more questions, but you're oddly quiet tonight because I, I'm out of my element. We're talking about sports, man. I know. <laughs> I know this isn't your thing. <laughs> yeah. For, for your reference, I just don't follow sports. The whole okay. joke with the NFL shows, I would come on and do the, all the production stuff. And I was like, 
I was making bets on teams and I'm like, I haven't watched any football. I think I watched a grand total of 45 minutes of football this last season. <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So I'd, I'll watch anything live though. Like you take me to a baseball game. I'm there. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I gosh, can't tell you how many days of my life I've probably wasted watching <laughs> sports, doing fantasy sports. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So refreshing to hear <laughs> yeah so like you're you're throwing out terms and i'm like cool that, those are those are some numbers I, I heard a five in there i know what that is yeah what is a velo yeah. <laughs> i was like i can guess but oh that's hilarious so have you ever thought about um you know you're playing softball right now but have you ever thought about just showing up at a, a men's men's rec league and tearing it up and just throwing gas and all that good stuff or? <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to throw gas anymore. I truthfully have not thrown a baseball since I got let go in 2019. No kidding. Yeah. It's been strictly slow pitch softball um, and golf, but uh, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be weird. I'm telling you, like if, if I was playing ball this year, I would, I would be up your ass trying to get you out to throw <laughs> for my team. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been asked before, but I don't know. I would just have, no interest really yeah also i don't know if this is just like a like a temperament thing but i feel like baseball pitchers and golfers are like the same personality i feel like you need to have that same like just level-headed and it's the same focus everywhere for sure it's and you know what there's so many similarities between the mechanics in a pitching delivery Mm. and a golf swing um and for me it's extra frustrating because i throw left-handed but i swing right I'm the same way. And so if if I could throw left and swing left, it'd be great because all the mechanics would translate same side, mm-hmm. same everything. But it's the opposite for me. So, but as, as far as, yeah, mental fortitude and, and yeah, mentality, um, very similar. It's <laughs> all about, there's this saying that I, it's, it's so what next pitch. Yeah. So basically oh, gotcha. whatever just happened, you have to wipe have it out, wash memory. it onto the next leg. Like, yeah. Same thing in golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't let what you just did affect what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. This is the best advice I ever got from my high school baseball coach, which was one of one of the best coaches I've ever had for anything. Um, he was very much if you if you made a mistake, don't make that mistake a bigger mistake. Yeah. So like if you make an error, if like if you, you know, if you bobble the ball, because I played shortstop in high school, if you bobble the ball playing short, you don't have that much time to get it over there. Eat it and don't turn an error, a one base error into a two or right. three base error. Yeah, for sure. So that's, uh, that's the best, uh, that's, yeah, that's about, and that's life advice too. Oh yeah. And, and you know, that, that, so what next pitch thing, I think I took too far. Honestly, I took that into real life and, and you know, with the whole getting really to tie it back into getting let go and the identity thing. I think I tried to play it off like I was fine. You mm. know, the whole, it's so ingrained in you. So what next sure. pitch, like, okay, on to the next. But I didn't allow myself any time to really reflect on what had just happened, process it, and and deal with it the right way. Mm-hmm. I just kind of dove into, because I had a kid on the way and because I needed a job, it was dive right into the next thing. Yeah. Mm. You and, never like deal with that thing that you just put on the shelf, you right. know? Yeah. And it took going to therapy to highly recommend that work by the way. Thing. Yeah. 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 That's another thing as men today, don't be scared to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. I thought therapy, I, I seriously for the longest time thought therapy was for like schizophrenics. Mm. I thought that's what that mm. was for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I've got some issues, but like, I'm not like, I'm not seeing stuff. Yeah. So. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> how bad could it be? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how helpful just talking to somebody it, it, like someone that you don't know. Do you do any EMDR? What is that? I don't know what that is. So EMDR is a, um, it's really like they, they started researching it. It was a trauma based, uh, therapy. So or trauma recovery based therapy. And I don't know, I, I'm going to skim the surface here cause I don't know a ton about it. Um, but basically the thought process was for people that have like real trauma that they're working through, whether it be PTSD or something, you know, a, 
the death of a family or maybe something they experienced physically, like they got assaulted or something like that. People, the they were finding is that this is a something physical that happened to you that um, that there's serious trauma from it that we're trying to just treat by just talking mm-hmm. and that wasn't really like cracking the surface. Um, so it's it, you put your. I would say I'm not a huge believer in hip hypnosis. But I just not because I I don't know much about it. I've never experienced it, but. If I had to compare it to something, I would say it's in that realm where mm. you have two th- like paddles that you hold in your hand and, the, and they, they vibrate and they buzz back and forth. So like as you're thinking through these things, there's a physical response that your body is getting it. And you're almost kind of like rewiring your brain. Mm. It's super interesting. And I did it. I started going to therapy at the beginning of this year. And um, that was... One- <laughs> I'm just airing out all my dirty laundry right now. (laughs) But one of the things was, is that I had this deep seated regret about not playing college baseball Mm. because I really wanted to do it, but just the things didn't line up. I, I was really dumb when I was 17, 18 years old. I made a lot of really dumb decisions. I wasn't that good in school. Um, not cause I wasn't smart. I just, wasn't interested care, yeah. and didn't, didn't care. And I just wanted to drink beer and chase girls. And yeah. that's all I wanted to do. Yep. Um, but so like later on in life, I, you know, got married at 21, had a kid, got married kind of like you're like a lot of things happen yeah. really quickly, very young. Yeah. There was almost like this old me that I was holding on to that just had all these things that I wanted to achieve that I just didn't do. For sure. I relate hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So that, that was something that I worked through and that was, that was manifesting in my obsession with like rec. Cause I got plugged in with a local rec league baseball team playing summer ball on Sundays mm-hmm. and I got like hyper fixated on it first. And for something that doesn't matter, it wasn't the healthiest thing. Sure. Um, and as a 27 year old single working a job with no kids, like you can do stuff like that, but right. it was starting to pull away like, you know, the limit amount of time I had to spend with my family, I was practicing. I was, cause I couldn't just play once a week. I had to practice. Yeah, I had yeah. to go to the cages and work it. on the my grind, swing. Man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I got really, really good. Like I, last year I was, I was a better baseball player than I probably ever had been wow, before at cool. 27, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, and you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's, it's, men's league and there's some teams like there's some kids that we played that were currently playing at Grand Valley Aquinas Cornerstone and and I was pretty competitive I wasn't the best amongst them sure but there's also like a handful of teams where like most of these guys are working at restaurants and you know one team I'm pretty sure ev- at one point or another every single person on that team had been to jail Oh well. so like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole spectrum. So like I, I'll say I hit roughly five hundred in that league, which is hitting five hundred is cool no matter if you're doing it in T ball, but right. um it not really anything to write home about. So <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, no, that was, and so anyway, to a really long story, the EMDR was really, really helpful for me in that and it just not not that that was traumatic, but it Hey, anyway, so yeah, you're, if it's affecting your life, it's important and it's trauma, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't have to be some crazy thing. That's yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, well, that's all I got. I got one more thing and this is, this is something, a new tradition that I'm starting. So anytime I get a pro, a f- pro current former athlete in the, in the room, we got to have a signature. We got to right. have a signed baseball for the, there's a pen for the uh for the memorabilia wall that we're oh, nice. starting to collect. So not that we've had Emmett Smith, Rex Grossman, or Fred Taylor in studio, <laughs> even though I got their pictures hanging on oh, the wall. Right underneath or, the, like, um, but yeah. So well um This in, is a good ball too, man. Yeah, man. A little single A ball. Yeah, I think I caught that at a white caps game, I nice. believe. I actually, I don't know where that came from, but I have so many baseballs laying around the house that, (laughs) (laughs) so, and well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It was a blast having you out. Um, appreciate you sharing everything on behalf of myself, producer Joe. I want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Um, if you haven't done it already, go ahead and subscribe on the podcast platforms. We greatly appreciate it. Also, 
Um, you know, like share on the Facebook group, the Rutkowski podcast network. Also, um, we will be launching a lot more content from the wealthy sports lounge, uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night. Yeah.